calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. to this special review, spoiler, spoiler review of Stranger Things Season 3 from Netflix. I am one of your hosts here on The Geek Buddies. I am John Roca. I am Michael Vogel. And I am Shannon McClung. All right, well, this is Season 3, just finished up. A lot happened this season in Hawkins, Indiana. (laughs) We got a new cast Character in Maya Hawk as Robin. Uh, Erica uh, was more of a uh, prominent uh, character this season. She was kind of introduced last season in terms of having a little more interaction uh, with uh, Lucas. Is that her brother, Lucas? What's her uh, brother's name? Lucas. Lucas, right? Yeah. And uh, and then we had the Scoops Troop. We had Russian, the communists invading America. We had a new Demogorgon. We had a new monster called The Monster. Uh, And then we had a little father-daughter situation going on with Eleven and uh, the show. And we had Starcourt. And we had Starcourt Mall. Starcourt! The, the real star of the season. Yeah. The mall. Yeah, there you go. Well, what what are you all's first impressions of the season or what are your impressions of the season? I mean, I got to say, it's I loved season three. I mean, I, I put it up there with season one. Like, season two I thought was good. Yeah. But season three, it, it takes off like a bullet. Yeah. And the amount, like, I think my new favorite character was Alexi. Oh yeah, Alexi was mean, great. My oh, God, Poor and, and just just the the brief time that we spent with them, and how quickly we just fell in love with that guy. Yeah. Um, and also, like I forgot about him, Brett Gelman, um, who was also in, uh, who was also two. in Fleabag. Yeah, Fleabag. Yeah. Um, that guy, I have so I have such conflicted feelings because I'm like, you just look so skeevy, but you're so. Good yeah. and just uh, my heart just went out to him the 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 whole season especially after the turn with Alexi um, action fantastic yeah. effects amazing 
Yeah, this, uh, you know, I mean, all of season, all of Stranger Things is sort of like an homage to the 80s, but uh, this this season particularly felt like they were like, well, we're going specifically for 80s action movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just 80s horror, not just 80s pop culture, but like, we, this is a love letter to 80s action movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great. Yeah, fully agreed. Um, Hopper and the Russian agent that he was constantly battling with, I'm like, this is Indiana Jones and the German mechanic. Oh, interesting. Also, he was the Terminator. He was the Terminator. Holy crap. White. Oh, also, he was the Terminator. Okay, copy that. I think at one point he had like a cut on his head that is literally yeah. where Arnold gets the cut on his head. He was copy the that. Terminator. And you, make, you make a great point about them leaning into the 80s action horror movies because they have that one moment where he has that line from Die Hard. He says that line from Die Hard. Even though Die Hard doesn't come out until three years later in this, in this season, he had that line from Die Hard in, in the show. And I think this season more so than other seasons felt like just one giant eight-hour movie to me. Yeah, that's Like fair. the other two seasons, which I, lo- like, I love all the seasons. I agree with you that maybe like out of, I'd probably put season two at the bottom. Not far down for me. I think they're all so great. But like the first two seasons felt like great you know short run series but mm. there was you went over the course of several days there was like there, I mean it just it just felt like it was more of a long run I think this felt like to your point it took off at the beginning and it just went mm. and so it literally felt like an 8 hour movie to me in, in a really really satisfying way yeah i can't explain why uh, but to me every season has gotten progressively better i do take um season 2 over season 1 and i'll take season 3 over all yeah. the, over both previous two seasons because I think the bar gets higher and higher that you have to clear from e- for every season, right? And I liked season two, which I binged before I watched this season over a weekend. I had not seen season two. I put it on the to-do list. But um, so when I tore through it, I couldn't get enough of it. And I really liked the darkness of it. And that's been great, too. As the kids have gotten older, the series has gotten darker. Right, because as a kid, you do consume more darkness as you get older because you can handle it. Well, it's gotten harder. I mean, like season one was the Demogorgon, right? And and at, at the time, that was a huge threat for what it was. But then season two, you really got into the mind flare and mm-hmm. all the the dogs, the, the demi dogs, de- de- demi dogs, and it was like there was there was just yeah. there was a lot more happening. And then this season, with sort of the mind flares, sort of projection through yeah. eating the people and turning them into like meat puppets or whatever however we're going to describe what that was like it's just it's gotten a lot bigger yeah. each season and the challenges have gotten bigger but i think that the reason the show really works is in addition to all of that the emotional growth of the characters that's a great point uh you know the relationship between mike and l like you know just like all of these things that have sort of like you know see the first season was sort of just very innocent and cute and this girl that kind of came into their lives and then season two you were sort of dealing with like these emotions that weren't fully formed yet that sort of culminated in the school dance yeah and then season three is very much dealing with the we are dealing with feelings and kissing mm-hmm. and 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 dating and not just the fun part of like I like this girl I don't know what to do but more importantly for the show I think the our friend is ditching us to be with a girl. Yeah, that, and what does that mean? That's a great point. Uh, and, and watching the way that these friendships are shifting. I mean, everything, this whole season was about everything changing. Like, mm-hmm. season one and season two, like, that group of friends was core, it was a core group of friends, yeah. and things were happening to them, and new people were coming into it. But this season, in several ways, like, everything kind of fell apart. Yeah. Leading to the ending where... Uh, you know, Will and his family, like they're all moving, they're taking L. 
you know, Hopper's gone. Like the group has sort of come apart a little bit. Yeah. And that's what happens. I mean, what's, what's great is it's not, it, that's what happens with friendships. That's what happens as you grow up. Like we all had these little golden moments in our, like maybe not all of it, but like I, mean, I grew up in the suburbs. I had those golden moments of like me and my crew riding our bikes around, mm. pretending we were the Goonies and doing the things that we did. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, you grow apart and things change. And I think that stranger things, the, the thing that it does so well is it balances what the show is really about underneath the hood, mm-hmm. which is, adolescence and growing up and figuring out who you are with 80s homages and epic supernatural monster awesomeness well it felt and it had the stand by me vibes remember by the end of the movie you know the voiceover richard driver's voiceover he says like oh you know we kind of that was the last time we were ever really together as a crew and that that was the kind of the undercurrent running through this season three was this Breakup of the crew. You know, Will kind of throwing away the Dungeons and Dragons. Will is really the put up. And just just the deft allusion to the fact that he's homosexual. I loved that. I was just like, it's just accepted and it's common because they're friends and it's not a judgment thing. Yeah, it was an it's, interesting. I've had a couple of people ask me about that. Oh, really? They asked me about my reaction to that. Like, Do you think Will's gay? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Yeah, that right? was that was. He said that. Is it because I'm with a girl? And then it's, be, it, oh, it's no, because said, I like girls. Because I like girls, right? And Will's fate, like it's like yeah. I will. I will say. And you look. I, I think we can also we'll talk about uh, Robin. Sure, 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 in a minute too. But like it, it's a thing that gay people do a lot. Is like you 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 pick up clues, right? Whether they're there or not. Sometimes where you're like, I think this character's gay. I think this. Is so sometimes it happens, and it's so in your face, and you're like, Did that really just? Because like it wasn't. It was it was the it was such a specific like is it you like you're just mad because I like girls and then just the shock and hurt yeah. on Will's face and then Mike kind of like quickly moving past it and going on I was like I remember having those moments when I was a kid where some of my friends would say something that alluded to the fact yeah. that they sort of knew that I was gay and I was nowhere near ready to even deal with that and I was like hey Let's go to the mall, like you know, Taco Bell. Like you're just like you're just like let's change the subject. And like that that was, I mean, I'm that that was. I'm curious to see where that goes. Yeah. And in addition to that, let's talk about one of the best coming outs I've ever seen on TV, which is Robin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. And poor Steve. <laughs> poor Steve. <laughs> I mean, Steve is the most put upon guy, and yet he just rolls with it. God love him, man. He, not, not only was he put upon, he's dressed up in a sailor outfit the whole time. <laughs> Joe Keery deserves an Emmy for what he did in this season. They, he, that is 100%. See, they've done such a great job of Steve being this one-dimensional, I get who this is in yeah. season one, and then going, oh, okay, they surprised me a little bit. And then in season two, his relationship with Dustin, yeah. was like that whole thing was great. And that kind of carried into this season. And then everything with him and Robin, they totally fooled me. Yep. They blindsided oh, me. Oh, totally. When Sheets says earlier on that, like, I was obsessed with you and you're the pop of that whole moment of reveal, and you're like, oh, and it was, lo- it was really well done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's a really lovely, well done version of the I was the geeky band kid and I had a crush on the popular kid. And then when they were in the bathroom, which is a 16 Candles illusion. Yeah. Right? 80s film, yeah. And when they were in the bathroom, and, and I, I, at first I was a little bit confused. And when she said to him, if you really, you don't really, when he was like, I really like you, you're the girl that I like, whatever. And she was like, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. Yeah. My little gaydar, my little TV oh. gaydar perked up and I was like. Your Peter Tingle. What, my Peter Tingle. <laughs> uh, my Peter Tingle went off and I was like, wait a minute. 
And then when she said it and she explained it and him sort of taking it in, it was just so beautiful and simple. And then they became friends. And then that became like this new thing. And I was like, this is, this is great. Yeah. God, I love this so much. <laughs> so props to them. What it, I, there's one big thing I didn't like about this season. Okay. Uh, Hopper. Wow. Okay. Explain. Uh, him being overpossessed over like a, a, a kind of an over. I think across the board, they overcompensated him a little bit. Okay. I think he went from being sort of this rough around the edges, schlubby guy who didn't really know his way around emotions mm-hmm. to being like sort of aggressively angry at everybody. Yeah. Uh, and drinking a lot. He drank. He got really drunk. He, he got really mad at Winona Ryder. Their bickering went on forever. Right. He got really mad at Mike. Like, like, it, it, like the, the Mike stuff was okay, but that combined with just the constant bickering. It's like, I thought he was so lovable. I kind of fell in love with him in season one and season two. And look, I'm not going to say that they like completely ruined him. Mm. Like it, it was still fine. And I was still super sad when he disappeared wherever yeah. he went. At the end of uh, at the end of um, the season, yeah. But I just felt like, and I think they sort of redeemed him a bit at the end with the voiceover of the letter as Elle was reading it. But throughout the season, I was kind of like, I just I don't think you're as likable as you need to. Like I, I think they, you're kind of too mean and too angry mm. to me. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I've heard that criticism before, and so I, I kept a, a mindful eye out for that, and I didn't. I didn't quite see it. I mean, I do understand what people are saying that he's he's a little too aggressive, but looking at it, I I for me like there was nothing behind it. Let me put it a different way. What I I compl- I was completely on board with um what's one of the writer's character's name in the, the movie like Will's mom, Mrs. Byers. Mrs. Mrs. Byers. <laughs> uh I was completely on board with the these two really like each other. She's with you know she's she's not ready for it. She's with Sean Astin, like whatever. I, I completely bought that those two were like really like they liked each other. And then we get to this season where there's no more obstacles between them, and all of a sudden the obstacle is just like they're not admitting it. And he gets super angry and starts yelling at her that she like it just it he was he he was. It was too much for me. I, I think that's a... Oh, go ahead. Sure. Well, no, I was going to say, the, the obstacle is still there in that she's dealing with the trauma <laughs> of watching the last guy no, I'm not, she I'm was not, with get well, I'm mauled. Not, I'm not saying... like we can, we can justify why they're not getting together and whatever. I'm saying what they did in the script is there's no actual... Like, yes, she's dealing with the fact that she still misses him and he's gone and whatever, but there are no more... Phys- like, she's single... He's single. They're friends. There's nothing going on in the immediate moment. And so what they did is they had the whole moment where he was like, well, let's go on this date. Meet me here. And she's like, oh, well, I can't. I'm busy. And like, and, and it just, I just feel like what they did was they created him sort of getting drunk and super angry more than he necessarily needed to be given right. who we knew who he was so far okay. to give us a conflict to drive through the rest of the season that felt a little bit forced to me. I think I, I think I thoroughly agree with that. I think there were moments where I felt like, why is he? Because he's so tender, so gentle, so caring to eleven. Before, like he leaves the the waffle, the Lego, all from the first or the Ego rather from the first uh, season, and then the second season he is so worried about all the kids and taking care of them, all that kind of jazz. So it's weird to manufacture this uh, conflict or obstacle to their relationship and not have it uh, be 
not have it be strongly laid out. Because yes, they talk about his losing of his his young girl and his wife and all that jazz. But it, it, that wasn't perme. That was being used for a positive thing in his world in the previous two seasons to use it into an to turn him into an aggressive guy seemed incongruent with his character before the this season. And just to be clear, on my level of critiques. This is a minor critique. Well, sure, sure, I still sure. like him, and I still thought about. the season was amazing. It's just like if I was going to take the entire season where I thought everything was like at a 10, I think Hopper is like at a 7.5-8. You know, like it's like it's – like, I just feel like that, that wasn't 100% there. But given – and I think another thing in a big positive column, given the structure of the season, given the three separate plots yeah. that were going on – with uh, with him and her kind of like following the trail of the electromagnetic thing and finding Alexi and you know Robin and Dustin and Erica scoop troop yeah scoop troop going down into the elevator and then all the kids dealing with Billy uh, and Nancy dealing with the uh, dealing with the, mm-hmm. the the news story with the fertilizer and having all four uh, four I said three yeah, four, four. having all four of those plots sort of work separately. And kind of come together at Starcourt the way that they did. Uh, that is just master storytelling. So the fact that they sort of maybe manuf- made maybe made him a little bit more angry than he needed to be, or it was it felt a little bit forced to me. In the big scheme of it, is a minor criticism. My criticism is Nancy. That whole Nancy storyline, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it at all. Why? And because I found it to be boring and simplistic and. I, I just didn't. It just didn't make sense to me. They they were not realistic about their situations. Yeah, you're fucking interns. Do a little time. And I think that I think the one great moment of that storyline is when he calls her out and goes, "Hey, you're used to getting everything handed to you because well, you're rich and you're white and you're privileged. When you're poor and you it's not easy. So you need to understand the other side of things." And she initially didn't. And I loved that they worked in a privilege argument really deftly into that storyline. That's line. why I but, liked. But that's why I liked the storyline. Right. Exactly, but the whole thing like, with having these guys all—they're all making these inappropriate comments. Look, I hate to break it to people who are listening to us. That wasn't everyone back then. It really wasn't. Was it there? Yes. But you didn't have 15 dudes standing around making sexually inappropriate comments all the time. Was that your experience, Michael? Or are you just speaking from what uh, you think it might have been? Well, okay then. I'm I'm saying, because I was alive while you were an embryo. uh, I'm saying, (laughs) I didn't... First of all, by the time Back to the Future came out in theaters, we were all old enough to remember what was going on in life. So calm, calm down there. I'm just saying, I, I thought it was a bit weird to have everybody be this way. It, it's, it didn't allow for nuance and allow, and it was a simplistic approach to it. I think that that was my issue. Not that it doesn't exist. I want I, I, before before Michael jumps okay, in because okay. I know this is gonna this this might take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what I hasn't will, he had ten minutes already? Talk about everything. Go yeah. What I will say is that ultimately for me did not go anywhere. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. you had to set something up for her. Right. Is that is that? But did she have to have that be set up? For no, her? no, no. I'm not saying that's what she had to have, but I'm right. saying that's what it was. Oh, to, to your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, I think that it could have been. It could have been something different. It right. did not bother me the way the way it, it is bothering you. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I mean, she ultimately that story went nowhere. Yeah, it kind of did go nowhere, and I almost wasn't cheering for them at the end to be a couple. You know, so when they're crying by the car, I didn't feel the connection for them like I felt with Will and 
the and uh, uh, Winona Ryder and other people and L. Uh, I didn't feel that same connection to them. Okay, all right, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, I mean, apparently, apparently, I've had ten minutes to talk. <laughs> I have nothing else to say on the matter. Because I I saw you preparing to jump down my throat about the fact. Look, I know that there was sexism and misogyny. And, you know, I know there was in the 80s. But I think showing it to like all these writers uh, being this way, I thought was a bit simplistic when there was a real chance to show nuance. Where like maybe there's a writer who isn't that way and is a bit uncomfortable about being in the room. It helps Nancy out a little bit or whatever. We We really should make sure we make way for the guy for to, to make sure that it was clear that some guys were okay <sighs> finally no so you think going the simplistic black and white route instead of nuance which is what is really interesting about storytelling is not the way to go i think that for the purposes i, I think that what i agree with is you didn't that, think that was manufactured to give her a conflict to overcome no, I think what happened is well, – here, here's what I think actually happened okay. is that they were figuring out the storyline, the bigger storyline of what's going on with the, the mind flare right. and how it was all going to work. And they wanted to make sure that they had plot lines for everybody. And the Nancy plot line was she's going to figure out this fertilizer thing and she's kind of a budding reporter. We're going to go this Lois Lane route or however right, they right, decided right. to go down that road. And so once you do that, well, you need to create a conflict with her. Sure. And the conflict that they created was sexism, which in the 80s, valid. Sure. Uh, And now what I do agree with is I think that because it sort of just ended with they were all taken over by the mind flare and they tried to kill them and then they had to do that, that you didn't get really a solid resolution to the – Oh Nancy, you were really right. You're going to move up at this. Like you didn't. Right, they, were, right. they, were, they didn't do a resolution to it, which yeah. I think is what the issue is. But I actually, I guess that's a more fleshed out I, feeling that I. But have. I yeah. don't actually have an issue with having a room full of white sexist guys uh, because we could say that that's over the top, or we could say that's cliched. But it's also a lot of people's experience and not entirely inaccurate. No, well, um, I just felt it was cliched and thrown in. It could have been because it could have been simplistic of having it be an age situation. Look, we've been here longer. Who are you, this young kid, this young female, to come in and thinking you know, blah blah blah? That's inherent in the situation as well. That could work, could have worked just as easily because she doesn't, I like know, you said, she doesn't have that resolution. Why introduce that if you're not going to resolve? Yeah, I don't, it? but I don't know why we're, I don't know why we're arguing so much about having a room full of older white guys in the '80s being sexist about a woman. I'm not arguing, like, but, but I'm saying like, it's like, like we can say that's cliched or not cliched, yeah. but it's also accurate. And so for them to, no, you think it's accurate? It, it's it's a lot of people's. Uh, uh, Fascinating truth. Okay, like a lot of people have had those experiences. A lot of women have had those experiences. Absolutely, had those experiences. Yes, an entire room of dudes. That's where I find a little. I, I found think a little you'd bit be surprised, and maybe not to the degree, maybe not to the over the top degree. But yeah. I know a lot of people, and I've witnessed this being in rooms, even in. Would you say that your dad, when he was a doctor in the eighties, was surrounded by a bunch of white doctors making sexist comments all the time at women? I can't speak to that. I didn't go to the hospital. You just said most people had this experience. I said I said most women have had the experience of being in a room. And I, like what I was just saying mm. is maybe not to the degree of everybody going, ha, 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 Nancy Drew, get my mustard. But yeah, that was the point. I think that – but I think that if you yeah. asked a lot of women – Oh, sure. Of course. Duh. They've been in rooms where they're the, only, they're the only woman in a room. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in a large majority. And they're not majority. listened to. Right, right, right. And they are ignored and they are dismissed. Sure. So I think 
think when Stranger Things says, hey, let's put Nancy in a room where all the old white guys ignore her and dismiss her and don't want her opinion. Yeah, because she's an intern and she just got out of high school. And I think they addressed And hasn't that. seen a thing. And what I think is interesting is what I like what they did is they addressed the truth of the fact that a lot of women went into these rooms in the 80s and even today yeah. and are dismissed and are ignored and are sure. not listened to. And in addition to that, they also dealt with the fact that, Nancy, you're an intern and you're pretty privileged and you didn't think this all the way through and you got your buddy who's poor fired yeah, and he's struggling with that. So I think they did a really nice job of dealing with both sides of that coin and I was cool with it. Okay. I was unsatisfied. Says me. But I do agree that I'm unsatisfied because I think the, that that storyline didn't necessarily have a resolution. Right, right. which is why presented if you're not going to resolve it. If, I, you, if you had one reporter, like the editor, yeah. survive. Survive and just and be like – And at the end, yeah. as the news crews are rushing in, like this is the gal you need to talk to. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, talk mm. to her. Yeah. Like that would have been good. That's what that, – I guess that's the more fleshed out feeling I had about it. Not that it wasn't – not that it shouldn't have been presented. Absolutely. The sexism has been occurring since the dawn of time. Um, but I just felt like they didn't resolve it in a way that made sense to present them to be so Billy Zane-like in their evilness from Titanic. Listen to your friend, Billy Zane. <laughs> um, um, uh, also, okay. I, I got to say, big My Little Pony shout-out. They did. <laughs> big My Little Pony shout-out. Erica, you're a nerd. I knew that was coming because I had like 12 people text me like, you watching Stranger Things? Text me. <laughs> text me. You'll know. Uh and but that did lead to I thought so as much as we're saying that Nancy's storyline didn't get really a resolution, Erica had a really surprising little arc in there. Loved hers to go from like you're just this really funny sort of like you know mm-hmm. you know attitude talking what you're talking mm-hmm. getting your ice cream for life taking advantage of the ice cream really situation. funny <laughs> uh, to go through the situation where she was like y'all are nerds y'all are nerds and when Dustin's like you're a nerd yeah. and his. Breakdown of My Little Pony, first, as a fan of My Little Pony, obviously, brilliant. Secondarily, to kind of go through that whole arc and then give her the Dungeons and Dragons book at the end, I thought was really cute and nice. It reminded me of Toy Story 3 when he hands the toys oh, off yeah. to her. And I love that. <laughs> um, and then, I think my single favorite part of the entire season. Oh, I'm glad we got to everything you wanted to talk about. Shannon, do you have anything you want to say <laughs> about the show? You've been going on for like 15 minutes. Shannon, do you want to say something? Shannon, we will come back to you. Trust me. Shannon, what was your favorite part? The well, action The action was my favorite, especially when Elle really got to, really got to let loose. Okay. Especially um, at the end in the mall with the car. Oh, my God. It was like, what an awesome, right? awesome moment. And, like, and we, know, we know she's going to get her powers. Yeah, back. yeah. But the moment where that happens, where you see like she's, she's trying to help and suddenly nothing's the, – the, you know, the gun's empty. Ah, heartbreaking. So many people said, after, I want to get your thought on this, Shannon, so many people said, like, people were getting annoyed about how many times she could nosebleed, how many times she could do this or that. So you go, like, you have to take away her powers because she just can always rely on it. She's going to have to eventually not be able to rely on it. What will she do then? Yeah, because she's never used them, to my knowledge, in the previous two seasons. She's never had to use them as much as she had to this season. Yeah. And she's never dealt with a uh, with an enemy yeah. as formidable as the giant six le- six-legged goo monster. It's called the monster. That they didn't come up with any name for it. It's called the monster, <laughs> which is interesting. And what a brilliant way it's interesting thinking about uh, uh, how in advance writers are planning um, oh, seasons. Yeah. With Steve. Well, I yeah. was with, well, see, I was thinking with Billy. Oh, I'm, I'm like, sorry, Billy. I'm sorry, like, Billy. He, yes. he was introduced in the second season. It's like, so you're the new girl's half-brother who's 
good looking, but you're right. kind of a jerk. I'm like, you you didn't really do anything. Well, one of the complaints of season two was that Billy that storyline wasn't resolved in a way that was overall like satisfying. And so to to weave it into season three. Obviously, they took the chance to take the hit on there because they saw the bigger plan of it. Yeah, but I mean, having him essentially be the vessel yeah. for the the bad guy, I'm like, what a great way to use him. And, yeah, then re- and then redeem him, right, Mike? Like when he's like at the end there, he hands, he fights to stop that thing that had controlled him and possessed him because Eleven reminds him of when he was a child, of what yep. happened to him before he was warped by his experience. That was a whole cool like inception moment too yeah. when she went in there. That was interesting. Do we think that Mr. Wheeler aged like a decade in between seasons two and seasons three? Mr. Wheeler. Um, Mike, Mike's dad. Oh, yeah. Because his wife is the one who... You Car- know, yeah, Carbono. Yeah. But that's what he looked like in season one and two, isn't it? I don't remember him looking that old. I thought I think that's what he looked like. Okay, might be, might be wrong. I think he's more disinterested. I mean, like I like that they had a meta joke where he's like, "We never know where our kids are. Where are they right?" Now? I love that because that's the big complaint everybody says is like, "How can Mike and uh, and go off and, and Nancy go off and do all the things that they're doing, and their parents don't seem to fucking care wherever they're at?" I don't know, though, man. But like, I remember like. And Grant, at nighttime, I think it's an issue, but I mean, it's a different time, the 80s. Sure, sure. Like, I would get home from school, and I would, like, hop on my bike and yeah. ride to my friend's house, and then we would all go off, and it's like, as long as I was home in time to eat dinner, yeah. like, they didn't know where we were. Like, we were just riding around town, like, having Same. a good time. As yeah. long as, if you get home before the street lamps are on. You're right. Good. Yeah. The moment the street lamps come on, that's... Yeah. Yeah, it was the street lamps. That's yeah. exactly it was that's exactly what it was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Same thing. Riding bikes out to the creek and mm-hmm. exploring the creek and out to the forest, see how far you could go out into the woods, uh, or playing pickup football for three hours. Like whatever as long as you were home by six thirty or seven yeah. to have dinner, you were fine. Okay, let's get into the Robin thing which you mentioned, Mike. This was such a great relationship. Uh and Maya Hawk was such a fantastic addition. When did you realize this was Uma Thurman's daughter? Did you know that ahead of time? I think I had read something like, okay. right when it okay. came out, so I knew, but it was like she was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as I said, like the whole coming out thing was handled so well. Yeah. But also just like she was funny and charming and like it was it was she was a great addition to the cast. Yeah. And I know that when Max was ad- introduced in season 2, there was some criticism that she kind of like she was brought in but like they didn't really do much with her except she was just there to be like another girl. Right. And I think with both Robin and with like kind of uh elevating Erica this season, they they handled it much better. I thought the Max and I thought Max was handled and better Max was too. Max, helping like the, eleven. Yeah, L. the Max and L stuff. The Max, yeah. sort of the Max L Mike triangle. Yeah. you know, for lack of a better word, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought was really I thought was really well done. It's amazing how they handle homosexuality, interracial relationship. Like it's like it's just there. Yeah, right. It's not stepped on. It's not highlighted in a way, and so. Um, I like that, um, but I also I, I didn't realize it was her till the second or third episode. Then I looked it up because I was like, "Why does she sound familiar? Why does she look? Why does she laugh in a way that I've seen before?" And then I looked it up on IMDb, and I was like, "Son of a bitch, she's Uma Thurman. She is a spitting image of Uma, and even sounds and laughs like Uma, even acts like Uma with the pauses in between certain words the way she does." And I was like, "This is incredible." <laughs> Thinking back, like I, like I don't mean to go back to this Hopper thing, yeah. but thinking about a guy that has sort of this adopted daughter who is now becoming a teenager and starting to be, you know, flex her independent muscles a little bit. Mm. 
like this is a guy who's suddenly starting to lose control of his world after he had control for so long. So yeah. Do you think? I mean, does that change your perspective at all? No, because we're this is what you're doing, and it's fine <laughs> that you're doing it. Is this is Michael? Michael hates this. And is you are. <laughs> You like him, and you are justifying the yeah, reasons there you go. that you like him. I'm talking about like what's actually on the page. Like, like <laughs> let me put it this way: I I don't think that it, 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 what, I'm, what I'm talking about is a matter of degrees. Like, I don't think Hopper being mad that he got stood up at the Italian restaurant is bad. I don't think that Hopper getting frustrated that L is now making out with Mike and he's lost control of the situation is bad. So I don't think if, if, if Hopper was doing things that were wildly out of character and unjustified and he was just this horrible asshole for the season, mm. it would have been really bad and it would have been a disaster. That's not what happened. The choices they made were the right choices. Now, whether it was in what was written or the way that he performed it or something, there was just a level of you were you given your frustrations with L and you sort of figuring things out with Winona Ryder, you should have been ratcheted up to a seven and for some reason you were playing it at a nine yeah and that is what people are responding to mm-hmm. so when you say well he's lost control he's this kind of guy he's dealing with this and all the reasons that you're giving me for the motivation of why he would be that way i'm like no you are correct those are the correct motivations and had he played that at a seven i think that it would have been pitch perfect yeah and for some reason somewhere in there it got pushed a little bit over the edge. It just went over the envelope mm. to the point where, uh, you know, myself and I think other people, as I've been reading, like people, oh, are like, definitely, people are like, "Huh, that's not sitting right." And so it's 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 one of those. It's a fine line thing. It's not it's not a whoa whoa whoa. This uh. isn't the same guy from season one or two. This is a uh, rein it in a little bit. It, and it's weird that he didn't have the words. To like deal with the situation when he in the previous two seasons he kind of always knew what to say at the right time to all the kids to kind of keep them in line or kind of yeah. keep them going forward. Was, so it was weird to see I mean, them all of a sudden be unable. That's the difference between dealing with a preteen and a teen, though. <sighs> yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, again, I get that I'm I'm doing but some no justifying else, here. <laughs> no one else. No, no, no. But no one else had that problem. Like none of the other parents had any. Like Winona doesn't. Winona like gave him think, the blueprint. Think, and he just didn't want to follow it. I think that it's just. Weird. I think it's just a tad forced. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I think. I think. I think having him. It, it's the difference of like when you're the guy that like. I mean, was it in, at the end of season two where he has that great talk with L yeah. in the car and like it's this beautiful moment. Yeah. When you're the guy that has this beautiful moment where you sort of speak your heart, and then you get to season three and you go, I don't know what to say to the point that you need to write me a script. <laughs> yeah. That's a big jump. Yeah. And you can say, well, she's a preteen now. So that's why he now all of a sudden doesn't have the words. And you can, you can say all that. But it's like, again, it's like you maybe overshot slightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, you're instilling maybe that. had he tried to have the talk mm-hmm. and it didn't work. And right. he was like, Ugh. he did try to have the talk and they whispered the whole time. <sighs> I, yeah, they were shitty. He broke but, down. But even that, like, but again, <laughs> quit even too that, early. I, like I'll say, it's, it's really funny. Even that, like, I get what they were going for, but like, I know that you're teenagers, but like him sitting there, talk, the adult in the room coming in to talk, and Mike literally just whispering and L and them giggling in his face. I was like, okay, this is a little far. Yeah, like it was just like I was just saying that whole storyline. 
again, none of the moments were incorrect, but they were all ratcheted up like two or three degrees too far where you're like, I see where you're going and I'm okay with this. I'm going to give you some leeway because you're Stranger Things and I love you. <laughs> but uh, a little too much. Why, yeah, Mike was kind of a dick this season, which was a little unsettling. And yeah, they resolved it at the end. But the same thing. Like he's a kid. Hopper is a man. And yet they're both acting the same way for different reasons around 11. Because they're both like upset about either missing her or what's been yeah. like when he go when he called him a dick or whatever he called him in the car. I'd a you punched kids in the eighties when you were an adult. <laughs> yeah, you were allowed to do that. <laughs> Not anymore, but you were allowed to back um, then. Can I, can I say what my favorite part was? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as long as we also talk about before we end the review because we're at thirty five minutes about the Russian thing and if you guys like the way that. Okay, we, we'll talk yeah. about that. But can ahead, I say yeah. my favorite part now? Sure. Never any story. <laughs> she was great. I mean, the girl, and you, the whole season, you didn't know if she was going to show up or not. And when she did, it was worth the wait. For all of the 80s references that have been in three seasons of Stranger Things, and for all of the them in the Ghostbusters costume for Halloween, yeah. Steve and Robin on all levels of acid and mushrooms mm. trying to understand what's happening in Back to the Future. Oh, like, for brilliant. all the things that they did. Out of left field, when she was like, do it, and he was like, I, I don't want to, and she's like, do it, and I'm like, what, what is she going to make him do that he's so embarrassed of? And, Turn around, look at what you see, and then they like just, and then they just kept going. Yeah. They did the whole thing, and my mouth was on the floor, and I was filled with so much 80s joy, I couldn't even deal with it it was the greatest thing that ever happened on television it was great and it was and it came at the right time in the season when you needed that little like let going of the pressure a little bit releasing the, the little bit of steam out of there and i think it worked well brilliantly i know that you are gonna disagree with this but Uh-oh. what stranger things does really well is the exact same thing that goonies does really well <sighs> Which is when you're like I watched Goonies with a with a young a friend of ours, their son, who was eight years old at the time, mm-hmm. and right as it got to the part where it was almost too scary with the Fratellis or the pirates where I could see where he was about to be like turn it off, they would do something really funny and undercut it. Mm-hmm. And Stranger Things does that really, really well where you'll be in the middle of a super, super intense moment, whether it be with the Demogorgon or the Mind Flare or the Russians or somebody, and right when it's getting super intense, they undercut it with something super funny and it almost it's like it shouldn't work yeah. because it should be like, well, now you just made it silly. But for some reason, it works perfectly. It's really it's, – it's great. It's really great storytelling. Yeah. Complexity works in, in films and uh. shows. Um, okay. So the, let's talk about the Russian thing before we – did you guys like the thing? Were you surprised that it was Russians right off the bat in the first episode? And did you like the way they weaved that all through the season and Carrie Elwes's character and this whole idea of them like, you know, because there's those urban legends that there are silos under Denver International Airport and all that kind of like it all kind of like worked in a way so that Gelman actually came out of this thing being right the whole time, <laughs> which I thought was genius. But like, did you enjoy the Russians being the main villain in essence of this uh, season? I mean, it's it's it harkens back to the 80s. I mean, back right, in the right. 80s, it was, Every, it was Oh, it was yeah. the Remember Ruskies? 
Yeah, I was <laughs> literally Ruskies. just going to mention that. Right. <laughs> the whole idea of someone from the government working with the Russians because Americans are ultimately capitalists. Like they just want the money. They don't wear. They don't care where it comes from. Like right. that lines up perfectly with what the eighties were, and maybe two thousand nineteen. Well, that's yeah, that's a thought that I had. I had this really. <laughs> I, I kind of went on a whole sort of like. I was like, wow. Okay, so we're going to go down that eighties road, which which to me. The Russians being the bad guys is it, it literally is such an '80s thing yeah. that I was like, yeah, this totally fits. And I was like, and I was like, oh, but is it weird? I mean, because it's the '80s. Are we allowed to still do the? Oh no, oh no. Okay, we've come full circle. No, it's okay. No. <laughs> like I think like 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 there's like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you made the Russians bad guys like this. You'd be like, oh, this feels a little weird. But now we're like, no. I mean, we're kind of back to square one. So I think it's okay. Like it's allowed. We're good. Um, okay, and. Well, go well, no, I was going to say, do you remember the lead kid in Ruskies? No. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, how? Back when he was known as Leaf. Leaf. Was was Skippy from Family Ties in Ruskies, or was he in another no, one? No, that was The Rescue. That's, oh, that's North Korea. Skippy. <laughs> I remember we watched it at summer camp, and whenever he came on screen, all the counselors would go, Skippy! <laughs> no, but that... But Where's of, that guy now? But of, the, but of the same era, though. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Peter Billingsley... And a third yeah. kid whose name I don't remember. But, Whip, uh, Whip Hubley. Yep, he played Hollywood in Top Gun. Yes, he did. Wow. There's a human being whose name is Whip Hubley? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good-looking good dude. Good-looking dude. He was a handsome guy. <laughs> Whip it. <laughs> Whip it good. I think um, the whole idea, I mean, because I don't remember, did we cover how they got here and why they brought their Russian uniforms with them. I mean, ultimately, it's like, no, it doesn't matter. I think matter, one of the complaints, but, yeah. and I think this falls under the category of uh, Billy from last season, Yeah, one of the complaints about the Russian storyline is that we don't know anything. Right. But uh, based on the tag at the end with the Russians, you know, they say not the American, so. which some people think is Hopper, some yeah. people think is we, a fake out, other people Other think people it's Matthew think, Modine. Some people think it's Matthew Modine. Some people think Hopper just jumped through the rift. Yes. And he's in the upside down. That's what I think. Um, but long and short of it is the Russians are still in play and they have a demagogue. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, you know, the whole idea that like we don't know why they decide what their, what their game is, what they're trying to do, what they're really behind. It's like, mm-hmm. well, clearly that's going to be season four. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm excited. We excited have, for more. I I just can't believe we live in the era that we live in, with these things happening, with these shows. And yeah, these, like I'm just like, this is crazy. And it once again proves that the '80s was the greatest decade ever. Uh, the 80s well, was, I mean, in just 1985. Oh, fair. Summer of just '85. The, just '85. Yeah. Right. Just compare that to any summer in the history of mankind. <laughs> It's pretty fucking good. Even the summer of '69 can kiss my ass. It doesn't. <laughs> summer of '85 wins. Yeah. We have Demi Gorgon now. You in trouble. Um, all right. Uh, one last thing. Uh, thoughts on where you rank the seasons and your overall score? Maybe. I'm I'm one of those guys that like I I, I can't really answer it until like I get a little bit of distance okay. because right now like, season three is the best season, but I literally just watched it. Okay. Uh, but I, I'll say that without even ranking them, I think that what they've done a great job on is these 24 episodes are. Has been they've been an amazing ride with with almost no faltering at all. Yeah, cool. yeah. 
It was 25 episodes because season two was nine. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, one and three, you're duking it out. Like, you can't have three without one. But, man, three is so – three was great. Three was a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I can say three for me is my favorite so far. I think they've, I think they've gained a level of confidence with their storytelling and their characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I will say – and I did read this somewhere. But, like, one of when season one came out, I know we all loved it. Mm-hmm. Some people I remember getting in arguments with because they were like, this isn't good storytelling. This is just – Nostalgia. Mm, yeah, like right. They were like, they were saying, yeah, I remember this, isn't, that. this isn't actually good. This is yeah. just playing on all of your nostalgia for the 80s and it's not good at all. And I think that season three, they've proven that they are great with the nostalgia. I mean, yeah. they know exactly what they're doing, but this is a mythology now and these are characters that do completely stand on their own. Yeah. And this is a world that I want to go to, not just because of the references, but because I want to know what happens to these characters. Right, right, fair. Um, okay, is that it? Yeah, that's it for this review, I think, um, of Stranger Things Season 3. Why are you staring at me? You're I know, host. I'm, I was... <laughs> You tell me. Is it done? Is it oh, done? No. Hey, boss. It, it, hey, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one last question. Um, do you think next season is the last season of this show? I hope not. I thought they said five. I thought they said it was going to be five seasons. I, I have a feeling. Like, for me personally, if we ended last se- next season, I'd be okay with it. I want it to go out on top. And I feel like these kids are getting old. They're going to start having sex. And I don't really want to see that, to be honest with you. <laughs> So I'm good. I yes, Lindley. Uh, she every time they started making out, I walked out of the room. I don't want to see it. Okay, I okay, Hopper. I don't uh, want to see it. Damn it. I well, well I, I I think if I think what I someone's it, gonna get somebody pregnant. Go ahead. Yeah. It seems like it seems like they know what they're doing. It seems like they have a plan. And I do think what surprises me, to your point, is you know, in, in a couple of the flashbacks in season three to season one, I was oh, like, yeah. oh, they were babies. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm they're it. growing up. But I think that if, if part of the plan of their storytelling is to get them to adulthood, that would be a great thing because we've seen a lot of stories. Ooh. There's a lot of stories. You know, It right now is doing a good yeah, job of good going. Point. We see It part one and their kids, and then we jump to It part two and they're adults and they recast it and whatever. But to be able to take a story like Stranger Things and go from were these little innocent kids all the way into we've gone through our childhood and we're stepping into adulthood and they and the and the Duffer brothers know where they're going yeah, with that? Yeah. That would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I've, I'm on board for as long as they want to tell the story. I think they know what they're doing and I'm on board for the ride. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I would be good to five. Okay. I, I'm good with two more seasons. All right. All right, well, that's our spoiler-filled season review of season three of Stranger Things. Hope you all enjoyed it very much. And, you know, uh, we did it geek body style. Uh, we, you know, we, I think we covered pretty much everything we wanted to cover about the show. But let us know if we missed anything. Do you want to have our thoughts on uh, when you tweeted us? Where can they do that, Shannon? Yeah, on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at geek underscore buddies and on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, it's Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. Yeah, Mike. I am at MKToon on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, please don't forget to uh, give us a rating, give us some comments, give us some reviews. It definitely helps us out a lot. And we like to read what you say about us. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate that. Definitely do that on iTunes. Helps us get seen more and more. So you can follow uh, me at the Roka Says on Twitter and on Instagram and everything I'm doing at Collider as well. All right, we'll talk to you next time. On the Geek Buddies! Hey!
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.